0: Hello, PodNutsians. Welcome to The Makers, Episode 4. I'm Geek, PodNuts.com. Uh, this is a show all about building, breaking, learning, uh, CNCing, 3D printing, mini-computer, I custom IoT solutions. We are in the early episodes, which means we are still in ultra-basic uh, stages, but we are going to start expanding our topics. Uh, I'm joined tonight by Chad uh how's everything going chad did you build break or learn th- this week
1: well of course it's going great and yeah i build broke everything um just playing with the MPCNC all week
0: yeah i will say um the more i see because you you you've now done uh, a a light switch cover that when i had the idea of what can be done with this type of machine this is the kind of thing that i think it shines with with very custom uh ornamental type things you you also did a clock i believe both of them i think came out looking unbelievably good
1: well thank you Dor. yeah um i'm just going around picking up ideas from other places and you know doing some design work i haven't got into the depths of stuff i actually want to do but getting there
0: Gotcha, gotcha. And if you want to see what the light switch looks like in the top of the notes, easy to access the notes in any podcast player, just keep clicking the album art. If not, just go to podness.com, click shows, click the makers, click episode four, and you will see a link to Chad's Etsy shop where you can see what these uh, light switch covers look like. Um, I think they look really good.
1: And along with that, I do plan on, for every purchase, donating some money to the show and stuff, some of that money will go to PodNuts.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. Well, we're also joined tonight by Flying Rich. How's everything going, man?
2: Good, good. Everything's good in the Hughes Compound Southern Command here. And uh, let's see, what did I build break? I've had fits with my printer and, you know, kind of working through a bunch of issues on it. And last issue was bed leveling um i did build some cool stuff uh kind of you know i got an ecosystem of stuff that works together so uh, a bunch of different ball mounts and i printed a hot shoe with a ball on it to fit into my ball mount thing and i made a unselfie stick with a shotgun microphone to live stream stuff you know it's designed to record other people not me and uh let's see i i'm gonna probably put a video together of stuff that i printed and maybe some of the uh time lapses and of course you can find that at flyingrich.com
0: okay uh what the hell's a hot shoe because i know what a shoe oh, okay. is all
2: right hot shoe uh for people in the slr or dslr world uh <laughs> chad made like he's sneezing uh very good uh what it is uh what fits over the eyepiece normally a strobe that you would mount um over the eyepiece there and the historic ones were fairly simple it was just a physical mount the modern ones you know do uh TTL metering uh you know the strobe talks to the camera through that But this is just a physical mount uh, that this uh, microphone mounts into, a shotgun microphone. And uh, I put a ball end on it to fit with my ecosystem of balls and stuff. Oh, that sounds bad. Uh, You know, (laughs) so you can rotate it around, point in any direction, uh, that kind of thing. And it fits on a half-inch EMT, which is, you know, like... Thirty cents a foot or less. So, uh, part of my ecosystem of stuff is designed to be, uh, you know, cheap stuff.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, Liam, uh, first off, we'll thank you again for your help this week. But what did you build breaker learn?
3: I'm gonna say you're welcome. Not remembering what I did, but <laughs> um, I can't think of anything I broke off of hand. I definitely learned some stuff the uh and i'm what did I build I built I've been building on my c r ten I made a skeleton magnetic mount for the pie to just kind of keep it up and off the desk and stuff to better wrangle that um and I'm working on a different cooling solution so I can get rid of the very loud case fans that are in there. And then I learned sometimes it's easier just to uh, finagle something, Um, I guess hack hack a thing, as opposed to redesigning it. Um, We can get into that later, though. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, um,
0: you help me because no matter what, Aaron is right. I can't admit it to his face. He's not here tonight, but he is so right. I need to literally draw a picture and put it right next to my 3D printer because... The righty-tighty, lefty-loosey thing never makes sense to me because I can spin the top of it to the right or I can spin the bottom of it to the right. They're both spinning to the right. So I never remember which way is which. And my bed level was a touch off because I finally printed something with a wider base. And when it did the skirt, I saw when it went out wide to that corner, well, that corner's a little bit low. Let me tweak that. And I tweaked it. And then it just all quickly went to hell in a hand basket. I just screwed the whole bed leveling thing up. So Liam held my hand to get my bed leveled right again. And I will say there's levels of accuracy with bed leveling. Hypothetically, you can get it to work good enough. And then there's like a grade like 1 through 10 to get it perfectly bed leveled. Mine, I'm going to say, is probably around a 6 or 7. It's not perfect. It isn't even great, but it's good enough right now. So I'm not going to change it. Not going to mess with it. Not going to tweak it. So I broke my bed leveling and had to restart from scratch. My son, though, immediately was able to tell me, no, no, dad, you spin it clockwise for this. You spin it counterclockwise for that. And I'm just looking at him. Are, are you sure? He said, yeah, I'm sure. I said, well, I'm going to ask him either way. He said, well, then what am I doing here? Um, duh, duh, duh. Let me just ask him. Okay. So I, and then, of course, he was right. See, just listen to me. I know I'm only a kid, so I'm going to just listen to him from now on. Um besides that, we kind of went print crazy. My son uh is having just a blast using Tinkercad, designing a Zelda cup, two robots, one for him, one for his brother, made a name tag for his robot. Uh, and then I printed a gear cube is the only way I can call it. Uh nine pieces, eight corners, eight stems, one centerpiece. And it just spins, and the gears all work together. I didn't think that kind of stuff. So awesome. But here's the question I have for you guys. We had one issue with one of his prints, and I'm thinking I know what's going on here. Uh, He tried to print out uh, two little name tags for his robot's chest saying Titan Bolt because he wanted to give him a name, and he named him Titan Bolt. Um, The letters, I'm thinking, were too thin, now, I'm pretty sure there's going to be a direct correlation, if I'm not mistaken, to nozzle thickness, nozzle width. Uh, I believe one of the settings in this slicer was like wall thickness and then the thickness of the letters that he makes. So I'm guessing there's an optimal number he should be using to have the letters come out looking as good as possible. And if he does them too thin, we'll have like where some of the letters don't show up and some of them do.
3: Yeah, definitely that's the case. Much like any printer, you're going to have a minimum acceptable acceptable resolution. Um, and same with the fonts. You're going to want bigger fonts for crappier printers or larger nozzles. Um, in general-
2: if, if we're doing 0. 0.3 millimeter, you want something like 0. 0.3 or 0. 0.6 millimeter width as a minimum?
3: Generally, I'm going to want two walls thick and not two walls thick total width. Two walls thick on each perimeter side. So if you're making a T across the middle, br- middle of the T there, the the centerpiece, it's going to be four walls thick. Gotcha. That's how I would do it.
2: Yeah, because I I know I printed something and or I designed something. Uh, it was uh, an image of Joel from another podcast I do on a coin. Oh God. <laughs> and while it looked okay uh it didn't print right
0: maybe you printed exactly like it was supposed
2: to (laughs) no you know but it left out some things because i think it was just too thin
0: okay i'm gonna i'm gonna sit down with my son because i know when i explain it to him once he's gonna remember i'll admit chad said to me earlier so what the hell are you doing coming on the show door why isn't your son coming on the show because he has been like in tinkercad like He's only been doing it now for just over a week, I want to say, and he easily has 100 hours into it, I want to say, because he's been down here just blasting through stuff. And in fact, we're to a point now, we've only printed like half of the stuff that he's made, and we've had the printer running overnight at least three out of the last five nights. So it ain't like the printer's sitting there doing nothing. We've been almost nonstop printing, and if you want to see some of the stuff we're doing on Instagram, I'm posting at least most of them, I'll say. so we've been having a lot of fun with that. I am, my logic is I want to first get comfortable with Kaja, Kaja, Kira, Kira, Kira. <laughs> Kira I, um,
4: <laughs> every time. I Every, every single damn
0: time. I want to get more comfortable with it. I'm starting to understand a little bit better what's going on, a little bit better at manipulating things in Kira, getting a little bit better at diagnosing, because I think that's one of the things that a slicer, you use it for. It's the diagnosed the quality of the STL versus the settings that you have and how is the end print going to turn out?
1: Yeah, I think that's, that's correct. Um, With you guys are talking about letter size and different things. um, You know, like your slicer is going to ignore things that are smaller than it can print, you know, so it won't even do that operation or that part of the slice. So, that's one thing you can you can you can test your stl see if it'll even slice it you know so
3: yeah there's plenty of thin wall tests out there on thingiverse um and you can just take something that looks ugly and scale it up until you find the right size scale for it and then start designing it that size Um, you can also get a smaller nozzle they make a um, 0.25 nozzle that's not uncommon uh, you, you're, you're more likely to get jams and clogs
1: and stuff, but it's certainly doable. Well, then you got to add print time to that, too. You're going to have slower print times and everything else, too. So,
0: Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. My first topic that I was going to throw out this week, and it's a very noob question, which is how do you speed up your prints and what are the cons? Here's my logic. Now I'm thinking this. Wild thought. I'm thinking about now one of my first big upgrades is going to be a dual extruder with two tips on my printer. But my logic is, why don't I get a dual extruder with two completely different-sized nozzles printing the same color? That should, I would think, allow me to speed up prints, possibly?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, The BNC Sigma 3 does that, where you can have a low-resolution and a high-resolution tip. So you can print the details in the low-resolution and the infill and kind of the inner layers in the higher resolution. So how do you slice for that? Uh, You get a specialized slicer. So they have their own simplified 3D. You'd add a second extruder, and you would have multiple parts or STLs, and you tell it, this part's printed with this one, this one's printed with that one. Um, Going back to the text, another hack for that is to not focus on how small a piece you can print, but how small a piece you can't print. So instead of the text being extruded, you'd have it inset.
2: Ah, I like that.
0: Yeah, and to me that's the kind of commonsensical thing that only comes with experience. Because me and my son, we he he made a he has a little gigantic phone. It's an Oppo R seven plus. It's literally like a six inch phone. Um, And he wanted to make a case for it, and the back of the case flat on the bed is a large area, and he wanted words on the back to say press here to remove or something so he could push it out of the case and so other people would see how to do it. And he made the letters, and he made the letters pop out of the case, and I'm thinking to myself, that's going to be a lot of support, son, are you sure you want to do it? And he's like, well... I really want the letters, Dad, and then we 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 just sat there talking about it for a minute, and then when I said something to the chat, Liam said, "Well, why don't you just make the letters pop in instead of out?" And I was like, "Oh!" And I turned to my son, I said, "You know, there's an easy way to fix this, right?" He he said, "What?" And I told him, and and he said, "Why don't we think of that, Dad? What are we missing?" And I said, "We no, we just haven't done it before, son." Okay, so I'm sure the other ways to speed up the printer. Well, no, now am not I said, I'm not sure. So. Besides doing that kind of nozzle hack is the way I think of it. What the be, and besides just spinning the speed up on like my printer, I have a knob where I can literally spin it up, the uh, speed of it up. Which I'm it's the sure. The best it, knob. Well, it is the best, one, but I'm sure it comes at a price if I'm not mistaken. But, um, but 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 velocity printing from last show, you can also use it as an advantage. But there has to be a con to it. I, I keep thinking.
3: Oh, absolutely. The faster it goes, the the worse the print's going to get at some point. I mean, if you're printing too slow it's going to get better till you hit your ideal speeds and then it's going to start getting worse. I mean, it's a bell curve. Um, you want to be there in the middle.
1: Yeah, what you can run into is uh, getting wobble in your print. So when it comes around a corner it <clears throat> you create a wobble in your printer and it doesn't smooth out till you're already printing the next surface or whatever you know, the next angle or whatever and you can get these uh, wobble Like a little wave in your print
3: yeah and then there's there's also ghosting and that's where you get resonance that shows up in the print so you'll see a ghost image like on our our test cubes if you print that really fast you'll see the x or the y continue on to one side yeah how the heck Um, is that why so that's just resonance i mean you can't change speed instantly there's some inertia to the print head
2: oh okay because so, i've seen that in other things i printed where you know an eighth inch away there's an outline of it and I'm like serious
3: so that has to do with acceleration in the jerk settings uh-huh. um that just tells the control board how fast you're allowed to accelerate and how fast you're allowed to change speed um the uh, the jerk is changing it's 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 changing um oh gosh it's I guess it's a vector because it has speed and direction versus mm-hmm. just acceleration. But <laughs> but slowing down will decrease the ghosting and then it'll decrease those artifacts where you're changing when you're going around a round corner and it's it's squishing off the edge or it's not getting a good adhesion or it's just not sticking to the corner instead of and so instead of being rounded it's just cutting across the diagonal.
0: Yep, my logic is uh the filament coming out of the nozzle onto the print is not instantaneous. It takes time. Now, granted, it might be quick, but there's time that it has to happen. So when you go too fast, you basically just don't give the filament enough time to come out of the nozzle in the appropriate fashion, where it's supposed to be at the place it's supposed to be. So it literally like pulls to the direction where the nozzle
3: starts to head next.
2: Well, I think you're extruding faster also, so that shouldn't be a factor.
3: Um, uh, yeah, but the the other thing with that as well is you, you have to make sure you're compensating temperature-wise, too. Um, when you start printing faster, you're going to have to turn up the temperature. Uh, Otherwise, you're going to start cold extruding. You're not going to get good layer adhesion. It's just going to be playing catch-up all the time instead of being at the correct temperature. See, so that, that makes the, a hell of a lot of sense.
2: The temperature is not going to auto-compensate?
3: It's going to do the best it can, Okay. But- if the best it can is a delta of 10, well, now you're 10 under. So you need, at that speed, to be compensating beforehand. So here's my
0: dumb question. There has to be other things you can do to speed up printing. I'm, I'm going to also guess um, filament. Maybe there's certain filament that you just can print faster than others. Um, and I'm going to guess the actual motors controlling the X, Y, and Z aren't as big of a factor as I originally thought, because I was thinking that's one of the ways to speed up your printer.
3: Well, let's just talk about speeding it up without worrying about what you're printing um, filament-wise or, um, the, or the quality of the print that comes out. Um, so larger layer lines, if you're printing at point 0.1, it's going to be half as slow. All things being equal, as if you're pointing at a printing at a 0.2 layer height,
0: half as fast,
3: right? Right. So every time you double your layer height, you're gonna cut your time in half.
2: So with an A net on a 0.3 nozzle, how how big of a layer height can you do?
3: You can go to your nozzle size. So if you're printing with a 0.4, which is kind of the standard, <laughs> you can you can point up to 0.4. Um, Common sense and wisdom says you're not going to get great prints. You normally want to keep it at, at about three quarters uh, to a max of 80% of what are your, whatever your nozzle width is for your max height. So on a 0.4 nozzle, most people don't print above
4: 0.3. Mm-hmm.
3: Okay,
0: yeah, that, that that was the other thing. In the slicer, there was direct correlation to when I changed from 0.1, 0.2, 0.3 to the length of the print. And to me, that made, made perfect sense. And I understand also how it affects the uh, aesthetic quality of the print is what I'm going to say. But what I was incredibly shocked by was changing the infill percent, sometimes by great numbers, gave me extremely minimal differences in print time.
3: Right. Well, infill's pretty quick um, for the most part. It's It doesn't have to be slowed down in a lot of cases. And then the infill is where kind of that slop time happens on your smaller prints anyways so that's where it's catching up for your minimum layer time so depending on whether you have a minimum layer time set high or low the infill may or may not make a difference there Um, for my prints a lot of the stuff i print the biggest thing i can do to speed it up besides changing layer height is reducing the amount of perimeters or changing the speed of my parameters simplify 3d you can tell it perimeters print at 60 percent of your max or your your normal print speed so you get a better surface while everything underneath kind of prints a little bit faster so i can crank that back to 100 percent or do less perimeters because if i've got five perimeters it's going to slowly ramp up or ramp down to that that 60 percent that i've set it at for the outer layer um that's where i get the most benefit and then that also compounds when you're printing with larger nozzles because one perimeter at 0.6 nozzle is going to be the same as three perimeters with a 0.2 nozzle
0: gotcha gotcha um well and he, here was my thinking the time was not greatly influenced because i believe when i do the infill in cura it's a percentage so even when i went from 20 down to 5 Um, The head is still going to, for the most part, travel in the same places it's already traveling. So it's not like it can teleport from point to point. It still has to make that same travel. And the time it costs to start and stop extruding isn't really um, changing the print
1: time. Um, Some other things that can increase your speed is the retraction, how far you're retracting. Um, the retraction speed, stuff like that, but like in Kira, you can set it uh so if you have three wall perimeter, you can set it so it does the two inner walls real fast and just that outer wall at a slower speed now that's in the advanced settings and stuff, but that's easy to do there and that that greatly will increase your speeds
0: okay and and I'm gonna now because I'm old, I'm gonna compare it to this. If you don't set your retraction high, when your print is done, you might have what's almost reminiscent of skin tags, where there'll be little nubs uh, coming out of the print where there's nothing in the slicer telling you to do it, but because you didn't retract far enough to like snap the cheese on the pizza, there's going to be a, a little like blub every now and
1: then. Yes, and that could be the print temperature, how... Um, the temperature, because when that filament's getting pushed through, it's creating pressure, and the restriction of the heat—you know—if it's low, you're gonna you're gonna create more pressure because the filament's not as uh, liquidy. You know, there's a different viscosity to it, and um, so if you have that problem, sometimes just by cranking up your temperature a little bit, it'll come out smoother and you won't get those blobs or where it looks like it piles up when it stops somewhere.
3: Yeah, zitting can be a pain. Um, I've, I've been lucky on a lot of my prints. I just I don't seem to get that. I I guess I guess right or I find the right numbers to start with for the retraction. Retraction is one of those things where you just kind of set it, and unless something's really off, there's not a lot of reason to mess with it.
1: I know for like one when I did cure and set up my profile, it had like a seven or eight millimeter retraction in there fat, you know, with the default was, and I now tend to run at like two, you know, somewhere in there. So, I mean, and it retracts a whole crap ton when it's printing, you know, and sometimes it's waiting there for the retraction and the infill. It's not much, but it does add up.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. And I'll say if, um, you're going to sand it anyway. I think there are certain things you can ignore because then you know if those little bits hang off. Then you're going to end up sanding it anyway. Who cares, kind of thing. So I think when you are thinking about how you can speed up your printer by these settings, you have to think what you're going to do with the print afterwards as well. Is outward a a, a aesthetic very important or just you know okay?
1: Yeah, definitely. Well that's that happy medium that you got to find how much quality do you need versus how fast do you want something done. When I first started printing, everything as fast as possible. Now it's learning a little more patience with it and things I just sometimes I just want a little better quality out of it, you know. Yeah, and I'll say the one
0: thing that really does shock me still is the weight of the original spool I get is a kilogram. And and I can, you know, I pick up that spool there. I can feel that weight. That is a weight. And then I print out something that turns out to be an 11-hour print or something, and I'm utterly amazed at how light it is. Now, I know it's light because of the infill setting. is not This thing is not solid. It ain't even close to solid. At the same token,
1: it feels pretty damn solid. Well, I know, like me, I never get concerned about weight, I'm always more, how many meters of filament am I using on a print, you know? That's my thing. I never worry about how many grams it weighs or whatever.
0: Well, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, in Kira, I notice on the bottom next to the slicer progress meter, it does give me an approximate time, and I know it's always just approximate. It can't give you exact. Did it also give an
1: approximate amount of filament that was being used, maybe? Yeah, I believe it does. Yep, it'll give you a, mo- a length of filaments so that's so many meters, and I think it even gives weight. I yeah. think
2: it does, yeah. I think it gives meters and grams.
1: I was thinking Kira did
3: length and volume.
2: Volume? Alright, I all right, yeah. got me now. I'm going to fire it up.
3: I know for certain Simplify 3D does length and, and uh, mass.
1: Yeah. Um, I don't know if it does volume. You can find the volume of the print. Through a few little things you can do, but I don't I think it's just weight and length.
0: Okay, and um now here's the stupid question.
2: Yeah, it's meters and grams.
0: Okay, um when you well I mean every time I've bought filament so far <laughs> once, um it's always by weight. i have never noticed a length involved, so I'm gonna guess there is like a standard um at least approximation for a kilo of filament with this diameter, it's going to be approximately this length.
1: Yeah, I think standard they're saying for at 1 kilo at 1.75, it's 330 or 333 meters or something like that, they say. Somewhere around there.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, that to me is one of those things good to know. Um, Sure, it's going to come into play sooner or later, but right now I'm just, because I have six rolls of mine and it's like, I mean, it's going to take me at least a little bit of time to go through six rolls. Um, My gimmick is, I'm going to want to buy other colors probably before I even run out of rolls.
2: Yeah, yeah, and and the other thing before I ran out the first roll, I just kept switching rolls and I didn't realize there was more filament on the roll until I, you know, set up a filament sensor. So I I knew I could run to the end of the roll without an issue.
3: Yeah, I'm liking the trend toward um Filament manufacturers using either clear spools or spools that have cutouts mm-hmm. on the side, yep. so you can more easily gauge what what is remaining. Um, the different formulas, uh, PLA, ABS, ASA, nylon, so on and so forth. Um, they within each family, they kind of have a standard density. For PLA, it's one and a quarter grams per cubic centimeter, and so that's kind of where you can math it out for uh, length, average length on a spool.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. And, and I will say, I can see the first time I'm printing something and I run out of filament, I'm going to be so mad. I'm, uh, so one of my a- actual upgrades will probably be a filament sensor just because I don't want that to happen again kind of thing.
3: Yeah, it, it, it'll happen. It's uh, It sucks.
1: <laughs> yeah, especially when you're doing like a 12-hour print and at hour 10, it decides, oh, you're out of filament.
2: <laughs> now that that leads me to a question I First time I had to do Something like a 72 hour print I I threw the biggest UPS I had on my 3D printer Are you guys running uh, UPSs On your 3D printers?
3: On one I am And that's just because it's still at my office um, Once I get geared up for actual Production I, I probably will put a UPS In for the rest of them and just have them all Run off the same one But a lot of the prints I'm doing just aren't that long Either
2: and, uh, you know, that's two things, two factors here. Um, The power in my neighborhood will be remarkably stable for months at a time. And then the you'll have that one month where three times a day for two weeks, it'll flicker on and off for a fraction of a second, but just long enough to reset all the clocks.
1: Yeah, and I live in a crappy house that, um, yeah, I get power flickers all the time. So I do have one just a small one but i do know i can run my printer for about 20 minutes on it so if my power does fluctuate i do save it you know just from those little glitches
2: so which leads me to the other question because immediately when i thought oh it's a heating element and it's going to be sucking down a lot of power uh liam didn't you compute that it's less than a 75 watt bulb basically
3: it's going to depend on the size of the heat plate, whether you're using the heated bed. But I mean, all out, even the CR-10 is 250 watts full throttle, but it's never running full throttle.
2: So, so. It, let, let's just say after the beds come up to temperature and it's just really the head, uh, you, you're not drawing 250 watts, you're drawing less than that. So. Pretty much any UPS is going to be good enough to give you twenty minutes, right?
3: Probably, yeah. So
2: I can bring my big honking UPS back in and hook it up to my gear here.
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm not running any battery backup, and it's partially one of those cognitive dissonance kind of thing. We don't lose power typically at all. I'm literally right outside one of the largest army bases there are, and we're you know a lot of stuff goes down. Is what I'll say. Um. Yeah, you remember in the news the big huge blimp? Yeah, that was literally above my house, kind of thing. Um,
2: so we don't. Were really you the guy shooting line. the bow and arrow at it? No
0: comment. Um, but I'll say this: I hate the idea of buying any kind of battery backups because I know in a year or whatever, mm-hmm. the battery is going to be aged and it's going to want me to go buy a new battery. And sometimes the cost of the battery is almost as much as the unit itself.
2: Amazon.
3: Well, that's. I mean, that's what it comes down to: is is the cost of reprinting gonna outweigh the cost of replacing the batteries when they swell or die or need replaced in the street
2: do, do you know the worst joke i heard when i was a kid that i i nearly cried is do you know how to keep an idiot in suspense and my sister said i'll tell you tomorrow i'm like no so tell me now tell me now she's like no i'll tell you tomorrow uh, <laughs> I, if if i put it in my mind i want something it's gonna happen and <laughs> I don't. If it's gonna take seventy-two hours to print, I don't want it to take one hundred and forty hours to print.
3: Uh, that's funny. You you think it can't fail a second time? Yeah, right. <laughs> Good point. Well, and,
0: and I'll say, I'm sure it's one of those things. The first time I do have something, I would I'm looking forward to finishing printing, have a power flux, and have it drop for a second. I'm sure once that happens, I'm going to want to get a battery backup. But I'm also pretty sure. I'm going to figure out a way to make it not as expensive as a uh, UPC type unit.
1: Well, I went to Walmart and picked mine up for 35 bucks. So and that's saved many a prince.
3: Yeah, there's definitely a difference between a extended outage or the occasional somebody turned on a microwave down the hall and the whole house flickered for a second. Everything reset. Um and uh, I, I think in the coming months and years, this is going to become a non-issue with firmwares moving to resume print. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, you can always take and manually restart a print with a little bit of uh, math and some G-code editing. You and said a the alert,
2: man. Yeah, I, I, I thought that was real sharp. Uh, I haven't really edited any G-code other than putting a pause in that my printer ignored. Uh, so being able to grab the uh, you know, caliper out and figure the height and where it left off. I mean, you uh, when when you did that, I mean, it wasn't at the beginning of the layer or the end of the layer. It's got to be somewhere in the middle of the layer, right? You had to figure that out, didn't you?
3: Not necessarily. I mean, it's plastic. It'll it'll flow and and creep around a little bit.
2: So you give it a best estimate of where where it should be on the layer and go with it.
3: Pretty much. Oh, okay.
1: Well, it's that thing of it's most printers are a little flexible too so they'll bump over things
0: yep my example is my son's pumpkin thing that's still printing right now uh there's eight pins that it prints and on two of the pins two layers after it started printing went sideways and he pulled them off and then he said okay dad when the print's done we're probably gonna have to print two more of these pins and we're done and we go back and look and it looks like it looks like the prints are going to be just fine and just usable. It's just two of the pins are going to be a touch thinner.
1: Yeah, you can get lucky sometimes with that if your layer height's off a little bit or something, or if it's got enough droppage where you got a sticky enough bed. You can get away with it a little bit.
0: Right, and now um, kind of moving on to Liam's topic is One of my gripes, my only gripe I have with the printing process isn't that it's an 11-hour print because at least I know it's making progress. I can go, I can open the door, I can look and see, hey, it's making progress. But what I can't stand is the time it takes for the bed to heat and then the printer's default behavior is, let me heat the bed and then hold on, wait, now let me heat the nozzle. And it all depends on your ambient temperature. There's no doubt in my mind that could easily be a 10-minute wait period for some things even though your print might only be a literally five-minute print 15-minute print well all of a sudden now it's almost twice as long so your tip you're, you're saying liam is why not try printing with the heated bed off
3: ah you got that right um especially if you're printing pla and you're not printing on direct glass you don't need heat blue tape glue stick print of those you don't need heat um heat can actually just introduce more problems And it's going to slow it down. Um, We we have heated beds, and I think we feel like we need to use them. We really don't if we're printing PLA. And it's going to speed things up, because that's the one that is extremely slow to heat up.
1: Well, there's also the fact that you can preheat your bed without starting to print. Just preheat it, you know. That's what I do. With Octoprint, it's so easy. You just... You go in there and it's two little clicks. You're heating, whatever. That's one thing nice about the Octoprint setup.
2: Well, where I am, you got to throw ice on the bed to get it to, uh, to the print temperature. And uh, actually, no, there a couple of times during the winter, what I did is I just took a sheet of tin foil and some old dish towels and threw it on the bed. But you got to pull them off before it goes to print.
0: Well, and here's my only question okay, uh, one of the things I like. About what I'm seeing coming off the printer so far is the fact, I'm guessing, because it is printing on glass, I'm assured one side of that print is going to be really, um, I don't want to say smooth because I do have a little bit of ridges, but unbelievably even and nice and shiny. Mm -hmm. So if I'm printing on blue tape or something, I have to be willing to accept that that side facing the bed is not going to be as
2: Gobby Louie, whatever, yeah. Yeah,
0: as pretty. But if it's saving me time, it might be worth it, again, depending on what is the desired use of the print.
2: Oh, and the other thing, I don't know uh, if we talked about this on the show, but uh, people are using pipe insulation to insulate the bottom of the bed, so the bed will heat up faster.
1: Yeah, I do that. That works really well. I use the actual uh, fiberglass insulation, though. I've seen now they've got that rubberized stuff or whatever. It's got Self-adhesive or whatever.
3: Yeah, I've got two layers of that, and then on top of it I've got the um actual duct tape, not duct tape, duct tape, the aluminized underneath it. But yeah, i'm going back to what Dora's saying, printing on glass, that's only gonna give you one side that's smooth. Your other all of your other sides have ridges to begin with, so that's an easy thing to get over if you look at it that way. And then when you're pl- printing on glue stick, you don't get the same texture as you would with um, like tape, blue tape. So, I mean, you've, you've got options as far as bottom textures go.
1: Well, on this whole subject of you know the preheat or heating your bed or whatnot, I think Door's biggest way to speed it up would to be put Octo get OctoPrint going on there, and then you've got. You can do it all from your laptop. When, as soon as you start slicing, what your I do phone. is I go and whatever, yeah, you, you can, you just go in, you turn your heater on, you turn your bed and your nozzle on, then you go and you slice and port it over, you know, and just mm-hmm. quick and easy. By the time it's there, by the time you're ready to start hit print, it's, it's almost to temperature, you know?
2: Oh, yeah. Yep, I do that a lot.
3: Unless you have an FT5 with just a really, really anemic heater. But, yeah, that's the same process I do with it if I'm going to print with heat. I'll uh, I'll go over to the Octoprint, turn it to 60, go into the slicer, slice it, put in my supports, all that, export it, throw it on the Octoprint, hit print, and then wait, you know, four more minutes instead of the normal eight or ten it would have taken.
1: But, dory he's got to walk out to his garage, put the chip, put the SD card in there, you know. That's all. A lot of stuff to do. I think you're just uh, wasting a lot of time by not having an octoprint.
2: Yeah, sneaker net's a pain in the ass when you got the printer in the garage.
3: I, I think you just need to better utilize your child. Tell him to go, go clean go the now. glass while you're out there. Preheat the bed. Then come your... see me, and I'll send you the card.
2: I'll give you a cookie.
3: Well, I do want him, and I do want
0: me to experience how it is to not use an octoprint. I hate to put it like this, but I honestly believe absence makes the heart grow fonder. I believe I'm going to enjoy and cherish, dare I say, the octoprint more when I plug it up. And I was going to try to plug it up today. I um tried to hook up my Cadis Vim mini-computer to it, and after spending an hour basically tinkering with it, I found out how utterly painful it is to put an alternate operating system on it because it comes with Android out of the box. So I am just gonna take my uh, Raspberry Pi out of the enclosure it's in now and then go hook it up, hopefully in the next day or two, and then I'll be, uh, you know, down with the hip kids.
2: Oh, hey, uh, just something we didn't mention, I might've had in the spreadsheet or so, but the uh, Zero W, the Raspberry Pi Zero W is now supported by Octoprint. So it wasn't in the past; it is now.
1: Well, I think going the Raspberry Pi route is the best way to go because all you do is you flash that image onto a card, you put it in there, and you're rocking and rolling right away. Oh, yeah. I've tried installing it Octoprint on uh, a Linux machine that I have sitting fairly close to my printer, so I was like, hey, I don't need to run waste one of my Oct- my uh, Raspberry Pis on it. But it is not a simple it. it it doesn't just install. It, there's a lot of dicking around. And I never got it to work right. And it just never seemed to work correctly. So spend the thirty-five dollars on the on the Raspberry Pi and no, no, you only
2: have spent ten know. bucks on a Pi no, Zero true. W,
1: right? Well, if you can get one.
2: What do you mean, Brian? Sent me a couple, right?
0: Well, that's Brian. Um, and I will say what you guys also remind me of about insulating the bed. Uh, Scott Moulton, from my hard drive died one of the leading hard drive forensic companies in the United States. Uh, he rides a motorcycle down in Georgia where, you know, hot Atlanta. Um, he literally, I want to say it was like a Teflon tape wrapped his pipes. And he said, now at like a uh, stoplights. It's not even close to as uh, hot as it was before. So I was uh, honestly thinking about doing the same kind of thing, like insulating the bed, but it's already the summertime. It's already in the garage. It's not cool in the garage. I, I almost questioned how much it would increase the heat time up. Um, but at the same token, um, once Doesn't I get octoprint, I Cost think it's going to. nothing. I know. But um, then I, that means I got to screw up my bed leveling, I'm pretty sure, by taking it off and, you know, having the pain of getting that stuff. Oh, man.
2: I, I don't see it. That, that's a thing that hosed me on a couple of prints. I'm like, why isn't this print sticking? What's going on here? And because the four prints I did before that just popped off. Like, I, I basically walked in the room. And, and I touched the print, and it came off. I was like, oh, great. And I couldn't imagine that my bed somehow magically got unleveled. And so then three prints just didn't stick. And I'm like, this is bull crap. You know, it's a one-hour print. I'm 10 minutes into it, and I got freaking black spaghetti. I'm like, what the heck is going on? And I'm like, sure enough, the thing was way out of whack, unleveled. And I'm like, nothing... You know, if if I really have to struggle to get something off the bed, then I know I have to re-level it afterwards. But everything has just been popping off, no problem. So that, that kind of threw me for a loop.
0: Yeah, I'm pretty sure there's like a preventative m- maintenance routine. like approximately. Yeah, the PM is,
2: you know what, I'm going to flash my firmware and I'm going to screw that freaking uh, bed level sensor in and do it.
0: Well, that would be very convenient for everyone. But if you don't have a, a auto bed leveling sensor, then my logic is every X amount of hours printing, you probably should just do a quick big surface area test print just to make sure your leveling is still fine.
3: Well, did you ever lock down your bed? Did uh, you I'm put on the nuts? Springs. Well, no, you should be on the springs. But did you put lock nuts?
2: No, to... no, I, I got the wing nuts. <laughs> no, no.
3: So screw bed lock nut spring moving bed and then Uh, wing nut because that's going to keep it from shifting around Uh uh-huh i didn't think of that
2: yeah i i didn't think of that either you know what i got to take the bed assembly off because i i think my linear bearings have dropped a few screws out gotta grab some loctite and get on it
3: yeah don't don't put loctite in your bearings that that might not no
2: no but you know where the bearings mount not in the bearings
3: yeah, yeah, and uh, real quick the version,
0: Liam suggested I get um, Loctite Ultra Gel um, uh, glue. My son made two little name tags for his um, robot, and we wanted to glue it on, so I stopped by Home Depot, I got the um, Loctite Ultra Gel, and I made him read the directions to himself and then out loud to me, just to make sure they sent them to him. That's what I kept telling him. It was really because it was too small for me to read and I'm blind. So the two things I really liked about that Loctite Ultra Gel was one, You counter, you clockwise twist the lid and it like snaps, 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 snaps. And that's opening up the tube for it to be able to come out. And then once it stops snapping, you turn it the other way, quarter turn lid pops right off. And then there's two blue things on the side that you can use for like fine control to get just a little bit of um, glue out. And I just sat there next to my son and, and I like drew like a little picture on little, piece of paper here's how big your name tag is here's how much glue you want it was a know, like one tenth of the covering of the whole thing just a little thing and he just took it squeezed it put a little bit on and i said now hand me the glue hand me the glue i put the lid right back on just because and now go ahead and put it on your robot and hold it for 30 seconds count and i got to tell you that glue was the easiest type of super glue i've ever used before and i'm only buying that moving
2: forward so it's a ca type glue
3: Sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's it's CA. Okay, um, so
2: two things about CA. Uh, one, keep it in your fridge, and the other is tap it, uh, the bottle, so it runs out of the nozzle, so it doesn't clog the nozzle.
3: The uh, the gel doesn't really seem to do that, especially on that specific style. Um, oh, yeah? I've never had one clog, and I don't know if it's – I've torn a couple of them apart to get to the to the rest that's on the inside, and I think that they also have some relief pressure. The way it holds the inner tube, so it, it kind of oh, sucks it back okay. in when you're done. Yeah, I'm used um, to the
2: old timey stuff. I, I literally have and I was shocked because I'd go to you know, swap meets with model airplanes and I'd buy, you know, five medium, five thick, five thin, and then they, and a year later, just sitting in my garage, they'd all be hard as a rock and never opened. And I'm like, what the flock? And finally somebody told me, you know, you gotta put it in your fridge. Now I have glue that's you know over ten years old that's been in my fridge and it's fine, no problem.
3: the The other thing you got to watch with uh, CA glue. The other thing you got to watch with CA glue is uh, you'll get crazing on plastics, so you want to use it as little as possible and keep it toward the center or thicker areas, because when it off gases and dries out, you can get. Oh, uh, yeah you can get them white spots that develop.
1: Now you're talking just gluing parts together is what you guys are talking about, right? I've never used uh super glue to do it. I've, uh, I, a while back got a 3d printer, uh, printing pen.
2: Oh, he's going to ask about that.
1: So I, um, if I got to glue something together or fill in a spot that didn't, you know, filament ran out or something, whatever. um, I just use that thing, grab the same color filament, and bond it together with actual filament.
2: So you get that from Gearbest? Who would you get that from?
1: Uh, I think it was the Amazon Trader thing. I got it for free, actually, for a review. Oh, that, that
2: was going to be the next thing. Is like, oh, how much is something like that?
1: I think they're like 15 bucks now. You know, they're pretty cheap.
2: That, that makes a lot of sense.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think I'll get one of
3: those eventually. Um, another thing you can do if you have a Dremel is friction welding. So you can take a, a piece of filament, a shorter piece, stick it in there, spin it up, and apply it to the two pieces to, uh, to get them to stick together. It's similar to how they do the friction welding for like the Boeing airplane wings with the aluminum and everything. Well, they're, they're doing friction
2: welding on the, the Boeings? Because the, the guys that... Boy, boy, what plane does Mark Spencer have? Why am I, think, why am I blanking on that? He's got uh, the
3: flying waffle toaster. The one that flies.
2: Because <laughs> that was the first one. It, it was supposed to be like the $750,000 twin engine jet and the Eclipse jet. That's it. Um, and they were the first ones to come out with friction stir welding for the aluminum because planes with rivets suck. Uh, they're draggy.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. Um, I don't see a link or anything in here for you, Rich. That's you wanted to talk about.
2: I was going to say just stuff I printed. That's all.
0: Also, uh, Jonas joined us. How's everything going, man? Not too terrible. Very cool, very cool. Did you uh, this week build, break, or learn
4: anything? I built some stuff. I made some stuff. I did learn some things. I don't think I broke anything, luckily.
0: Uh, What kind of things did you build?
4: A couple of signs that required post hole digging and that kind of fun stuff. And I velocity not velocity printed, but I printed another giant vase and a knock box. So those are pretty interesting. And then I put together my uh, E3D V6 hot end for the CR10. I had to print some parts for that and I put on my old fans and a new fan and rewired a couple of things.
0: Okay, uh, Can I ask what are the benefits to the new uh, hot end?
4: Well, it's an all-metal, so you should be able to do nylon and other high-temperature things a little better. And uh, I've got a couple of wider nozzles that I can print more volume of material at a time, so you can print bigger things a little bit quicker.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. Very cool, very cool. Um, Chad wanted to uh, talk about uh, some more MP CNC stuff. Um, I will say, you seem to be hot and heavy in this uh, CNC stuff.
1: Well, I go on these streaks where it's a lot of printing stuff, and then it's a lot of CNC stuff or whatever else I'm doing. But, yeah, I've been doing a lot with the MPCNC, and I just started now redesigning the, uh, the mounts and stuff and the bearing holders so that I can get a little more rigidity out of it because of how long it's taking me to print out some of these clocks and stuff. I mean, or not print out, but uh, cut them out. And uh, that's my biggest thing is um, it's a great little machine, but there is, when you go to these larger, it's a scalable CNC, so it can go very big. But you start losing rigidity as the bigger you get, and it starts wobbling and tool pressure creates jumping and bouncing and you get all kinds of crazy finishes on it so i'm working on that when i get it done hopefully it'll work right and i'll get that up on thingiverse because i think i think right now it is a big deal with me especially trying to make some things to sell um i want the quality to be up there you know so that's kind of what i want to talk about this week is a little bit about that and um selecting the right tools when you're doing something you know or you're especially if you're working with wood correct uh uh direction to cut and different things uh and yeah i don't know that's just something i wanted to bring up i don't know
0: well yeah i um, I do think grain, how the grain is facing when you do your cuts is very important. And I think it shows in that light fixture how when you do it right, it really does add a certain look to it, which I think is really valued as well. Um, the, the stupid question I have is this is basically a aluminum framed device where the milling unit is able to move in the directions. Is it not plausible, or is it not possible, or is it not efficient, or is it not smart to instead have the unit not move, but to have the object underneath be doing the moving?
1: Well, yeah, the the MPCNC is what they call a XY gantry setup. So, in some are like some machines like in industry that I run on a regular basis for my job. The bed moves, so that's your part moves, and then the uh, spindle only moves in one direction, you know, only in the Z. But financially, that's a very expensive proposition because you got to uh, beef up a lot more to hold the weight. Instead of just holding the weight of the spindle, you're holding the weight of whatever part you've got and the mass of that moving at 100 inches a minute and stopping you got to have real solid secure stuff so yeah
0: gotcha gotcha and then my question is uh you've you've been milling in wood and liam i believe has been milling in foam are they like the main primary um um subjects that they use for these
1: machines yeah i wouldn't You can do plastics, you know, foam, plastics, different stuff. Um, But to cut in metal, you need to have a lot more rigidity, a lot more sturdiness in your your CNC than what is provided by the MPCNC. It's just a few rails or um, EMT, so they're, you know, the electrical conduit and printed parts, you know for what I'm using for the printed parts are holding up very well though with all the vibration and pressure that they're under I'm so surprised at how well they're holding up I figured I'd be replacing them right away you know but they're rock solid the only problem is the weight the spindle I wanna put on my machine right now I'm just using what is a roto zip and I want I have a spindle that's actually liquid-cooled spindle that I want to put on there, but and then that is also controllable from my machine, you know, so I can change the spe- feed or the speed of it, not just have it on or off, you know. And that can be turned on by the by my Mach 3 program and shut off by it and whatnot. And if you do some tricky algorithms you can get a twirl to actually detect if it's going hitting too hard onto the uh uh you need some extra equipment but it is possible um but it's way too heavy for the setup i've got so i'm working on beefing it up so that i can add that to it and cut down on the noise i don't know a couple of you guys have watched some of my uh live streaming of it and it is loud you know i got a vacuum cleaner going or a shop vac going i've got the spindle going the machines make noise and it's a lot of noise and i'm just on the other side of a wall from it you know when it's running so i'm trying to quiet it up a little bit too
0: gotcha gotcha yeah yeah, well i mean noise i would think comes with the territory for this type of device um and and the stupid question i didn't ask is you're using wood as the material is there uh certain types of wood you don't want to use you shouldn't use and then certain type of woods that you really like target for or is it really is wood wood
1: well you know like uh most stuff that i've been cutting is either a poplar which is a soft wood you know it's real soft it cuts real easy which is really nice but like those light switch covers those are red oak so i have to go a little slower shallower cut cuts you know you know so you don't break out or crack the piece so there is some working with that you've gotta test it and play with it a little bit
0: okay well then now here's one question I have. I'm complaining about eleven hour prints time wise how much uh how how long are some of your jobs taking when you uh, start them up
1: um start to finish. I've gotten the light switch down to just over an hour and 20 minutes of cut time but these clocks I'm doing but they're 18 inch round clocks they the one I'm doing now that I'm just gonna finish up here tonight or tomorrow that's gonna be about three and a half hours of cutting Um, but I have done you know if it's just simple engraving have it done in an hour and a half you know
0: yeah see to me that ain't bad at all um i'll say one i think advantage maybe you have with doing cnc stuff is you can at least with uh normal power tools get the shape in a close to desired uh shape without a whole lot of time effort into it which i think should help up your time
1: yeah and you can buy the stock in close to what you need sizes is a nice thing too is you can order it to size or go and pick it up so it's close to the size you need so you're not machining off and wasting a lot of material. Um, I buy blanks for the clocks and I just basically cut off the top of it and you know it's not I'm not wasting a whole lot of material. But (laughs) speaking of time now I use Fusion 360 to do all my modeling you know all the CAD CAM stuff and I just did a tool path today that just to create the tool path took me 25 minutes for it to generate just the tool path. So I sat there for almost a half hour waiting for it to generate the tool path. But then again, the code was 40,000 lines or something like that. Wow.
0: And, and I got to say the one thing I really do like is the fact that you can use the same software that you're using for 3d printing stuff. that as
1: well well yeah you can use the same software and the same models you know since we're using the same software you just you could I could cut out some of these things that are uh we're printing too but you know there's big parts when you machine big parts you're you know as long as it's not three-dimensional really I mean you could do it but when you got overhangs and stuff that's where you're your downfall is with the cnc unless you got a fourth access machine you know uh
0: fourth access what, would, would that go through time and space
4: <laughs>
1: yeah it's real similar to a dimensional jumping yeah no it's just so that the uh the part can rotate at an angle too so you can get behind it with this you know without having you know the parts mounted to that and it rotates. I want to put, I have a fourth axis, a fourth and fifth axis actually that I want to put on it, get it so it works on there. Eventually I will so that I can do uh, table spindles, you know, like the legs for a table. So you can actually mill designs and table legs. Well, you
3: can go up to uh, what six axis because you're able to rotate the X, Y, and the Z. And then I imagine, can, can you add, I guess there's not a seventh because that would count for all of them. Um, I, the other reason you probably wouldn't want a moving bed is space requirements because now whatever your bed size is, you have to have at least double that in both directions for it to account for the entire bed moving.
1: Yeah, that's the biggest thing is for 30 inches, you'd need to eat up, you know, (laughs) quite a bit more than that in space. You know, my machine the table would be twice as big it'd, it'd have to be built out of rigid or material my whole table's just built out of wood you know so
0: gotcha gotcha well the stupid question i have about this is is it okay two questions what is the level of precision that you can get to like what is the smallest incision you can cut and then what's the smallest thing you can leave left behind around and um is this going to be like 3d printers where you're going to want to get a second or maybe a third?
1: Um, let's take that last one there first. Uh, yeah, I've already got plans to do another one, a total different style of one, but yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of like that for me, at least, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a messy thing and it's loud. And that's why the 3d printers are so nice is it's, it's quiet, small, you know, um, and then the precision of it with the setup I have in the gear ratio from the motors to the belt I'm precise let's say like two thou so it's a you know not quite the thickness of a hair you know oh crikey yeah they're very precise I mean even on multiple tools when I touch them off with my little touch-off unit um, I can have a tool come in and cut another same Z depth, and you can't even tell the difference. Just a light bit of sand, just to take off the witness marks from the t- from the tool, and they're flat. I mean, and it it holds that level really nice.
3: Hey, I got one for you. Have you ever printed something and then milled it after the fact?
1: We were talking about that. Weren't really um um. I think it'd be neat to do, or to mill out a pocket in something and print something that goes into that pocket like an inlay into it that would be super cool. But I haven't yet, no. But I'm going to eventually. <laughs> but I don't see any reason you couldn't if you wanted you had something printed and you wanted to modify it. Sure. I mean it'd be easy enough to clamp down or whatever, as long as it you know you can clamp it and hold it, why not?
0: Well and then um what is now I'm gonna guess the width of the tip means that's the smallest incision you can make into like a piece of
1: wood, right? Um, for that, that all depends. I mean, you can get. I have some four thou and mills, so they're. Or no, I don't know if I have them anymore. I might have broke the last one, <laughs> just by touching them. You can break them, <laughs> but uh, I know I have some twenty thou uh end mills but you know that take forever to mill anything out it's just that small but i generally most of the stuff i cut with is uh 16th of an inch quarter eighth inch you know somewhere in there
0: okay was there any other cnc type info you wanted to talk about
1: Uh, not really i think see what everybody else has got to talk about have you milled anything besides wood On this machine, no. Um, I I have a couple chunks of aluminum that I want to try, but it's even with some of the harder wood, there's quite a vibration in there. So, I mean, you have to go real slow and real fine cuts, but I'm sure it could do it. You just have to go slow.
4: What kind of end mills are you using for your uh, spindle?
1: I'm using... Carbide, um, and then a lot of them are coated. But I've acquired most of these end mills through years of working at shops, and they accidentally find their way into my lunchbox or something.
3: <laughs> or something.
1: Well, no, they were a bonus. No, but I have come home and been like, why do I have three end mills in my pocket? You know, you go get tools, and you're walking back to your station, and you got them all in your hand. Somebody starts talking to you. you you put them in your pocket, so you ain't got to sit and hold on to them. It happens. They never find their way back to work, though.
0: Yeah, I had a coworker one time try to tell me I was stealing from my job because I would accidentally, like, put a paperclip in my pocket and take it home, to which uh, I just, you know, I should have been reprimanded. I should have been written up for what I said back to him, but surprisingly,
1: I wasn't. Yeah, paperclip's a little different than uh, $70 end mill. But you can buy end mills online now, pretty much what I carb, carbide, coated, whatever, for reasonable. Like you can find stuff for $10, $15 a piece to where they're decent quality. And, uh, or you can order the Chinese, I mean, you can get 10 of those for $30. Gotcha,
0: gotcha. But I'm sure they're durability might come into play um and i i I, and i came close you you and janet were talking i almost removed the plastic rubber pieces off of my printer but i'm terrified if i do the stench that's going to come out of them so i'm just leaving them in my printer for now
3: no no do it get rid of them yeah that's where the stench is coming from yeah
0: well, but my nose has literally been broken 20, at least 20 times. I don't smell it anymore, and I'm almost afraid to ask my son if he can still smell it.
3: Well, it's not so much the smell as it is. What is it doing to your nervous system and your brain and your blood? That stuff's horrendous.
1: That's Chinese air pollution you're smelling. Is it?
3: it yeah,
4: it smells like gasoline or air pollution. You know, it's just really astringent.
1: So do you think it's like a VOC or it's off-gassing that, or if it's just something it absorbed because it's such of low quality?
3: I would say it's probably yes on all three of those. It definitely has... I, I thought it was the grease because it has that really musky grease smell.
1: So those uh, rubber things are 100% percent chinesium, huh? Like 108.
4: Yeah, I actually ordered some PVC-colored little insert things. It's kind of nice to have because... Um, I'm noticing now I've got all kinds of little scraps of plastic falling in there, and that was kind of nice not to have that.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, That's the other thing. It's almost, I don't want to say protection, but it, it covers it, makes it more u- u- uniform. And i ain't going to lie. I was hoping if I left them in, it would keep the insects in my garage a little bit further away from the printer.
1: Oh, no, they'll definitely stay away from that. The insects. You can just smaller. line
4: your garage with them.
1: Yeah, just take it off and just line the doors and the windows with it. Just use that as a new trim.
0: I'm not far off. Um, I will say we don't have any emails, I believe. And by saying that, what I really mean is I have absolutely no idea if we have emails, but I don't believe we do. Uh, if you want to send us an email, all you got to do is send an email to themakers at Uh You can also send us a voicemail at 7076-PODNUT. It's actually really easy to play in the setup we have here. So voicemails are always welcome. If you would like to join us on a show, just shoot us an email. If you would like to just sit down with us pre-show, because we hang out for like an hour pre-show and just hang out and BS, you're more than welcome to. You can listen in live if you want to just send us an email. You can come into the mumble chat. Just leave your mic muted. If you just want to listen and you can hang out, everybody is welcome. Uh, does anyone have any, uh, final thoughts?
1: Well, I just want to invite, you know, come over to the, uh, my youtube channel i do live stream some of my mailing and some of the other stuff i do um it's not super exciting and it's very loud but uh you can go to watch my diy um on youtube that's my channel
0: i'll say if you if you need background noise to fall asleep to put his channel on infinite repeat and the white noise will, will 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 put you right out
3: white noise i think that was his uh nickname when he was playing basketball
0: oh okay uh, and with that i thank everyone for downloading uh do not forget go to podnot.com check out all the other shows all kinds of shows on all kinds of topic uh we appreciate any and all feedback that we get and we will talk to everyone in about a week